Hey, one more thing before you go. Imagine living the life of your dreams regardless of your current circumstances or who your twin flame may be. Today, we're about to embark on an incredible journey that will transform your understanding of manifestation. I'm excited about what we're going to talk about and unveil. I'm confident it will leave you feeling better and ready to manifest your desires like never before. I'm your host, Michael Hurst. Welcome to One More Thing Before You Go. Hey, just a quick note. It's a pleasure to have you join us on this conversation today. But before we dive into this mind-blowing content, I want to express my gratitude. Your support means the world to me. And if you'd like to see more frequent content like this, consider supporting us by clicking the link in the description below. Your generosity fuels our passion for sharing valuable insights with you. Let's get started with today's exciting episode. My special guest is none other than Kirk Johnson. He's a true luminary in the realm of manifestation. He's not, <clears throat> he just helped over 5,500 students manifest their dreams. Kurt's a staunch advocate against the concept of spiritual bypassing. He guides individuals beyond the surface level manifestation techniques. <clears throat> According to Kurt, the real key to manifestation isn't just about thinking, it's about becoming. It's about stepping into alignment with the vibrational frequency of your dream life. His teachings revolve around authenticity, embracing our human emotions, and integrating them into our spiritual journey. In today's episode, we're going to help you understand twin flames, manifesting, and connecting with the universe on a whole new level. Welcome to the show. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. What an amazing journey you've been on, Kurt. It's been a trip. And it started early. Probably about five years old. I uh, woke up one night in the middle of the night, five years old, and I left my body. And a few months after that, I was visited by physical angels. That leaves quite an impact on you. I would say so. What a way to what a way to uh, what a way to embark on your journey of life, especially at that young age. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah I, you're I, not I, talk me out of the fact that these other realms exist and that these types of phenomenon are real law of attraction and that there's life beyond the body. I've been shown that many times. I'm sure you and your viewers. Well, you know, it, 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 uh, we've had several conversations on my podcast or for, uh, and about angels and manifestation and being able to connect with the universe and how we are all interconnected. And that we all have the opportunity to take advantage of that and to reach out with a bigger understanding of what the universe is and what it holds for us. So I'm really excited about getting into that. I want to start at the beginning, though. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in a little country town in northern Colorado. It's grown a lot uh, since I grew up there. Um, but when I was growing up, back in the 1980s, probably about 200 people, if that living in the town so quiet town the cow town i grew up right across from a big cornfield with a beautiful view of twin sisters peaks i couldn't have picked a better place to incarnate and uh 
kind of nice having a nice quiet childhood you know I, you know, I agree with you. As, as we said before the show started, I grew up in Colorado. I, that's my home. I, I currently reside in Arizona, but my home is still Colorado. I miss Colorado, actually. But yeah, so I'm glad that we were able to connect. I feel like I'm talking to an yeah. old friend uh, from home. <laughs> Should be good show. Yeah. So how did, um, would, you know, what was your family like? Well, I want to say, I mean, they were good people. Um, hardworking, uh, they instilled good values. Um, but, you know, as with most people on earth, you know, earthlings, they give you problems, they give you baggage that you carry with you into adulthood. And you don't, at, at some point, we hope, we would hope to not fault them for that. You know, like the Bible said, the sins of the father are vested upon the son. It's monkey see, monkey do. They got their conditioning from their parents, passed on down the line. But at some point, ideally, the buck should stop somewhere. And I kind of decided, well, I think the buck should stop with me. And that's exactly what having kind of a spiritual awakening causes to have happen. Your awareness explodes consciousness increases you can't help but notice the cause of your reality are your own limiting beliefs beliefs that you didn't even put there my message is very simple you absolutely can transform all of the circumstances of your life using your very consciousness which is a which is a really unique it's not really unique we all have it in brave within us Sometimes we just have to have somebody turn the light switch on for us or help us to turn that light switch on. Um, <clears throat> what did you want to be when you grew up before before you embarked upon this journey? I wanted to be an astronaut. That's what I wanted to be. I love that stuff. Yeah, that's what I wanted to Just barely old. I, I didn't even think I could read a couple of words. I mean, just barely learning how to read. However old that is, I don't know, six, seven years old. I found out that they sent people to the moon. I said, I've got to know how they did that. Fascination with science in general. And I think you could say I just cut my teeth on, you know, learning about aerospace uh, technology and the engineering behind that. I've taught classes about the engineering of space travel. I've met moonwalkers and NASA engineers and I just, I could talk about engineering and physics and science all day. And I think it's something more people should learn about because you know what? The things that modern conventional science is uncovering about how our universe functions would blow your mind. It is absolutely obvious by this point that we're living in a participatory universe. You can literally think of the universe as a big video game, very realistic video game simulation. You know, if you try to jump off a cliff, something bad's gonna happen, but it's a very realistic video game simulation, a video game simulation nonetheless. These mechanisms 
whereby we become creators of our reality are starting to be revealed. And it's kind of interesting when you understand. So another thing, obviously, that I've always been very deeply enamored with is spiritualism and the philosophies that have been built on top of the realization of a greater reality. And to see these philosophical metaphysical spiritual principles being mirrored by physics modern physics is real interesting to watch and we're watching this whole thing unfold in real time the cutting edge science that's come out in the last 20 years about where our universe came from is so mind-blowing and it's not on tv they're not talking about this in the mainstream but Conventional scientists are well aware of this, and there's a very vigorous conversation that they're having, and it's just not mainstream. And so most people aren't aware of this. They're not aware of the fact that that's exactly where the science is going. We are living in a participatory universe, and the study of epigenetics, neuroplasticity, is producing the revelation that you are manifesting equipment, your body and your mind are manifesting equipment as though you were a video game controller, right? Like the joystick for a, a video game console. And of course, the driver, the player of said video game controller is the consciousness. So we have the triune being body, mind, soul, the body and the mind being the video game controller, the consciousness, the self, the soul being the video game player. And to relate this to all of the different philosophical teachings, hermetic philosophy, or just ordinary biblical, uh, Buddhist, whatever you want to talk about, these types of teachings, it, it's it's starting to become more and more obvious how they intersect. And it's almost as if we were left a code. And I got to tell you, we could divert this conversation into so many different rabbit holes. We could be here all night long. You mentioned something a little bit ago. I took a note here about uh, the spiritual figures in, the, in, like the, in mainstream religion and, and such. Um, how does that play into... To everything that we're doing here between that and uh, are you more of a, a spiritualist or, or from that perspective yeah. yeah um i try to be very distilled very exact i try to um, follow some form of empiricism when it comes to distilling what spiritualism really is at its very core which is non-duality you know, the ancient Zen teaching of you are not your mind. The self is just raw awareness, but the raw awareness is what's creative. Now, to build on top of that, a belief system is totally fine. and You can practice whatever faith that you would like to do uh, for that. Um, to a point, I suppose, I mean, I try to steer my students in the direction of, you know, being realistic and 
not getting too enamored in the kind of flighty, um, hoity-toity, woo-woo kind of spiritualism. And, and I kind of like some of that stuff too. Um, but to stay grounded in reality, you know, the, the truth of reality, I guess, this physical world, is that it did come from consciousness. And even science is starting to take us there. Physicist Lothar Schaefer said, consciousness is an unexplainable cosmic force. Robert Lawrence Kuhn said, consciousness is fundamental and irreducible. That seems to be where all of this came from. But the fact is that our the, our physical reality is the product of that consciousness. And I see something, um, I don't know if dangerous is the right word, but it just doesn't serve anybody to ignore the practical aspects with your daily spiritual practice, to deny 3D reality or to deny the importance of you know, being emotionally regulated. And I think what I'm pointing at right now is something called living holistically. And I mean, gosh, even this is the staple of hermetic philosophy. So recognizing that all truths are but half truths, everything, there's two sides to the coin of reality. Can you change reality with your consciousness by manipulating your personality. Yes, you can change your personal reality by changing your personality. But if you ignore the practical aspects of life, you're going to have a bad time. So still to express boundaries, to learn what that means, um, you know, cut toxicity out of your life, um, taking the necessary 3D actions to protect yourself, your health, um, your financial future, you know, whatever it is, but at the same time, cultivating that energetic belief no, is the part that modern humans, like humanity at large, is ignoring. Whereas in the spiritual community, it's kind of the other way around. So my message is, well, you got to do both. Yeah, I think it's nice. It's a balance. It's a, it's the it's the old cliche yin and yang. You have to have you have to have a balance. If you don't have that balance, then you wobble one way too far and, and it puts everything off balance. You know, I grew up, I, I, let me see, from the time I was probably 15, I grew up Catholic. I'm no longer a practicing Catholic. I haven't been for quite some time. Um, my mother strived for that. She sought that out. The Catholic Church, when she got divorced, kind of excommunicated her, kind of like, you know, you can't come in here, you can't take communion, you can't do this, you can't do that, some old school stuff. Well, that included the kids that were there. We got kind of down the same way. So I I did like some, some something similar to what you were talking about. I sought out a different kind of spiritualism and I started in, in exploring and researching and, and testing the waters on many, many different things. So everything that you just said make, resonates with me quite a bit, actually, because I feel that it's like what Bruce Lee used to say, you should take a little from everything and and use what's good and listen to everything. Use, use what works. And throw the rest away. 
Mm-hmm. You know, the stuff that's not good, throw the rest away. Don't worry about it. Don't even think about it anymore. So, you know, I tried to follow that philosophy in, within my, in my family's spiritualism. We are spiritualists. We feel that we are connected to, as I said earlier, we're connected to the universe, that we're all connected in one form or another, and that we have the ability and the opportunity to take our own destiny into our own hands. And I, I show them that myself with one through eight operations and walking out of a wheelchair, they told me I'd be in for the rest of my life. So coming from that perception, I do understand, for example, manifestation. What you just described to me was, I think, a foundation for manifestation. Is that correct? Essentially, yes. Consciousness, non-duality, the true self is what gives you the awareness to look at all of the components of your life, mental, physical, and make determinations. People who have a, and I hate to kind of say it like this, because it sounds, you know, judgy, but it's, let's just be clear, this is a description. And we're simply describing something. So there, there are an overwhelming number of people on the planet who I think could be described as unconscious. And they just kind of move through life day by day without really looking at themselves and considering the content of their mind looking at their day-to-day habits so it is that consciousness which is the spirit spiritualism that enables everything that you were just talking about and it flows into everything that you do that's again that's the distilled stripped down um stripped down description of spiritualism it's remembering who you are as the conscious presence behind the body and the mind and the body and the mind you get to do whatever you want with it by the way another interesting thing that you just touched on a second ago was the sense of interconnectedness that you feel to other people and even things when you remember who you are as the consciousness as the being behind the body and the mind. Yes, there is only one consciousness. And again, science is pointing at that very same thing, that there is only one consciousness and everything came from that singularity is the word they use in science. And in the spiritual realms, worlds, um, principles, non-duality is the word. But we're kind of talking about the same thing. So they've always called it non-duality in the Zen traditions, Yogananda, going even further back, described it as the not yin and yang, the non-duality of being. Well, science is calling it singularity. Well, single, non-dual, we're obviously all talking about the same thing. And that's where we are all connected, is that one single source that everything came from. And again, even science is saying, hey, everything in the whole universe was touching in the beginning all matter and energy existed on a single point that could fit on the head of a needle that's the singularity that science is talking about and again in spiritualism it's non-duality quantum entanglement they showed that 
everything is still connected. Things are still having an effect on each other. And there's degrees of separation. But the fact is, these principles that spiritualism has been espousing for millennia, which you just mentioned a minute ago, that sense of connectedness, yeah, there's a reason for that. That's We're not just making that up. That's real. Which means that we as humans are machinery who are able to detect these kinds of things and to finally tune yourself to be more sensitive to that intuitive world where you feel those connections. That's the world of non-duality. That's the self. Now, moving outward from that, the machine becomes a mind and a body, and you can reprogram those two. And when you do, your outer world transforms around you. It's like you're living in a bubble or something. And I don't mean the kind of bubble, like living in a bubble in the derogatory sense where you're like ignorant, but it's more like you've created a world inside our world where pretty much problems don't crop up like they used to. You seem to have more control over the things that are going on around you. And it only makes sense when you recognize that, well, as Albert Einstein said, past and future happen simultaneously. So you're creating at all of these different levels all the time in the eternal one moment, because there's only one moment, there's only one consciousness, there's only one thing. And you're just a, a ripple on the ocean of consciousness. You, know, you you are one experiencer in a vast ocean of experiencers all over the cosmos. Yeah, that makes that mean obviously that makes a lot of sense with within many regards actually. Um, it, that made me think about something here. You said that we um, you acknowledge that change comes from within and uh, respects each individual's readiness to embark on a unique journey to rediscover their true selves. How does that play into, um, from everything that you just said, do we all, do, do you think that we all have to be shown our true selves or is that something that we can evolve and figure out ourselves? How do we come to that? Well, that's the $64,000 question. Um, you can, embark on a journey to remember who you are as a creator inhabiting a physical vessel. You can take up meditation, yoga. You know, I tell my manifesting students, 80 to 90 plus percent of your manifesting game is your Zen game. Consciousness is fundamental and irreducible. The observer effect is what causes physical reality to transform. Well, the observer is consciousness. So yes, you can choose to do that. And I highly recommend doing so. But also there's another type of spiritual path, if you will, which it, it, it seems like it finds you or you are chosen for that. So there's this classical spiritual awakening template whereby 
there's some catalyzing event. It could be the death of a loved one. It could be a terminal illness. Maybe you recover from said terminal illness. Um, your life situation kind of falling apart. Um, there's like with me, I've got thousands of students who also engaged in a forced spiritual awakening, but their trigger, their catalyst was not life circumstances, a terminal illness, or one of these types of things. It was where they met an actual other incarnation of their own soul. So it'd be like you have two incarnations of your soul going on at the same time, and they meet this person, and that triggers the forced spiritual awakening. But then you have, you know, like Eckhart Tolle, whose forced awakening was triggered by um, anxiety, life circumstances, and this kinds of thing, uh, and these kinds of things. And I don't know what the numbers are. I think the number of people who are experiencing a forced awakening, which starts out incredibly painful, the first step is called ego death, <laughs> uh, or dark night of the soul, it provides a much more intense level of consciousness by the time the dust settles. And you're not getting out of it. If you try to go back into old patterns, you are going to have a bad time. Your soul is going to make you do this. So there's this forced awakening, and there's what most people do, which is to take up an interest in it. You know, there's a lot of people that saw, again, Eckhart Tolle, they saw him on Oprah, you know, one time they started reading this book. They started having some realizations. There's a lot of people that are just embracing consciousness as a way of life. Consciousness is technology, but it's who you really are at your core. This is a remembrance. You had um, earlier, you had mentioned that uh, at five years old, you had basically astral projected and and from that perspective, you had ran, you had met some angelic beings and so forth. Do you think that that might have been your uh, first spiritual awakening, or did yours come later than that? Or that was just an introduction yeah, to I mean, you to better understand? That's a good question. I've pondered myself many times. There seems to have been many peaks and valleys in my life, and that was the first one. So there was the out-of-body experience. I was five years old, and then a couple months later, a physical apparition, a physical angel appeared. And I know I wasn't hallucinating because it left me a feather. And I retained that feather into my teenage years. Mm. So I was old enough. I think my mom might have accidentally thrown it away, you know, when she was cleaning my room or something in high school because I can't find it, which is uh, kind of heartbreaking. But... The good news is I was old enough as a 17-year-old to look at that feather in my hand and have a fully developed adult brain and know for sure that I wasn't hallucinating because you know how kids, they make things yeah. up, they live in an imaginary world. No, that's not what happened. And then there were other things that happened when I was a teenager, other intense revelations, information that was revealed to me. There was another awakening that took place in my 20s and then meeting my other self, my other incarnation, when I was, uh, you know, an adult later in life, 
in my late 30s, 40s, um, that was the most intense awakening by far. And so it's like there's been this guiding hand working in the background benevolently my whole life. And I've, I mean, if your viewers are interested, I made an autobiography on my YouTube channel, New World All-Star. Just look for the playlist. It's called Kurt's Autobiography, Kurt's Spiritual Autobiography. Because I've had some people go, Kurt, tell us more. Tell us more of your stories. Because I guess some of these things are so unusual. There's a lot of things that have happened to me. Other things, too, even later into life. And I have to say, I don't feel like I'm special. <laughs> I just want to get that out there. I don't think that I'm some super badass, mystical kind of guy. I, I, I perceive myself to be just kind of an ordinary guy. But I'm beginning to realize that these are not common experiences. And what is it? that brings a person like me to those experiences i don't know guys I, I don't know this is a conversation i just made a video about this on my youtube channel talking about how to know if you're a chosen one well is that what it is are you chosen are you a star seed are you an old soul what is it are you one of the three waves like what what is that that puts you in a position where you're always having these experiences all the time throughout your life, and then you find yourself in a role like this. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the process is. I don't know what the mechanism is, but I think there's something to that. Something to it. Well, you know, I, <clears throat> I've always believed this. That I think even as children, we, we grow up with the ability to be able to see and understand so many things outside of what people theoretically understand. In regard to that, society and culture, in in not in every society and culture, but in our society and culture, for sure, they start shutting that down. If you say you saw an angel, you didn't see an angel. If you say you saw a ghost, you didn't see a ghost. If you saw, say you talked to another being, you don't, you don't have another being. Imaginary friend, you don't have an imaginary friend. Well, your imaginary friend may be another entity or a being from a different realm or for, from a different plane, or an angel, and society and culture have relentlessly shut the door on that, especially as kids as you're growing up. Don't do that, you can't believe that, you can't do this, you can't do that. So I think that we're indoctrinated from a young age to grow up saying, even if I did see that, um, I'm not going to believe it. I'm gonna put it aside, I'm gonna push it in the back of my head because it is not supposed to happen. And that's what society told me. It's my parents told me, my grandparents told me, you know, and this is the way I'm supposed to believe. I, I do also believe that we have an amazing opportunity where we have had the spiritual awakening over the last few years and as a whole across the world. I think Big that, time. We, yeah, I think that we've, we've been able to start opening Lots eyes and ears and hearts and souls and really start to have a better understanding of how this all works, which is a good thing. And then obviously there's people like you that help to open that door for those that are seeking uh, how to find the key or to where the knob is to turn or how to open the window, however you want to accept it within yourself. You know, I have an interesting parallel to make about what you just pointed out about how civilization is telling you 
that these things don't exist. There's no such thing as telepathy. There's no such thing as ghosts. You don't have a soul, which is technically true. You are a soul, but still, they say that's not even real, etc., etc. So, if we look at science, which is not an institution, science is a methodology. People forget that, including scientists, and scientists should know better. Well, you have a thing called materialist science. Now, materialist science, it's, it's materialism in the sense of material, physical matter. It's not like greed kind of materialism, right? Not that context of the word, but the context of hard matter, things, right? Atoms, etc., etc. So for the last two to three hundred years, science has taken a very hard-nosed approach towards a materialist point of view to find where the whole entire universe came from, which is material, right? It's, it's part energy, it's part matter, and it's reached the point where roughly half the scientific community, so the actual scientists, are looking at that whole notion and going, wait a minute, that's biased. We've had this bias all along. And the materialist scientists, they go, well, what do you mean? And the non-materialist scientists, they go, well, what I mean is you're saying we're supposed to find where all of this stuff, the whole universe came from, all of this material came from by looking in material? You mean to tell me that material came from material? And it's kind of one of these cognitive dissonance things with the materialist scientists because it's turning into science as an ideology. It's the new religion. And that doesn't serve anybody. And I'm, I'm not knocking materialist science. Actually, I would have you prop up materialist science because it's remarkable. It's mind-blowing the things that they've uncovered. I mean, the fact, just this, this meeting that you and I are having on camera right now, we take this for granted in the modern world, but if it wasn't for particle physics, quantum physics, which is a materialist, predominantly materialist science up to this point in the 1950s, making some predictions about what electrons can do. They wouldn't have microcomputers. We wouldn't have these things. Most people don't realize that microcomputers are the product of quantum physics, of the laws that were tested in the 50s that didn't seem to make any logical sense, but they worked. Here we are talking on microcomputers. So I give a lot of credence to materialist science, but again, all truths are but half-truths. There's two sides to the coin of reality. Is materialism real? Yes. Is immaterialism real? Yes. And then there's also the source, which is neither material nor immaterial. It's not a thing, and it's not nothing. What do you have, Michael, when you have neither Empty space, which is a place, nothing, nor do you have 
thing, objects, matter. And it's like... It's a really good, mind, bizarre question. Yeah. Yes! The mind can't even figure it out. Most people say, well, I guess you would have nothing. No, that's one of the things that you can't pick. Exactly, because it's exactly totally there. What scientists are saying, this is where our universe came from, the singularity. There was no up, there was no down, there was no side to side. And that's the source. That's the non-duality consciousness. Now, non-materialist scientists are headed in this direction of mentalism. So the universe as mind. And these are PhD physicists who head up large university departments. These aren't, you know, this isn't some guy in his basement or something, right? These are people that have accolades, um, credentials. Uh, again, Lothar Schaefer, perfect example. Uh, Max Tegmark, he's another one who's kind of pulling science in this direction. But again, the materialist notion is to say that we live in a dead universe of matter, but you're looking for where that came from in matter, like matter coming from matter. That's circular logic. And the same can be said of the things that we're told about these strange paranormal phenomena. Oh, they don't exist. That stuff isn't real. Well, guess what? Science is starting to figure out that they absolutely do exist. Yeah, 100%. Sheldon Cooper would love this conversation, by the way. Who's that? Sheldon Cooper off of uh, the Go not the Goldbergs, my gosh. Um, young Sheldon. Oh, that TV show. Yeah, yeah, Young Sheldon. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah, he would love it. Yeah. And it, as far as I'm concerned, this day and age, we're living Star Trek. So I I grew up with Star Trek. That's my first my first phone was a flip phone that looked just like a communicator from Star Trek. <laughs> That's awesome. I was Spock for Halloween once. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it's amazing where we have come from and, and realistically what we hold in our hand in an iPhone or an Android phone, Samsung phone or whatever you've got, uh, is like a 100,000 more, times more powerful than what actually landed on the moon. Yeah. And in that we have advanced, you know, uh, perpetually upon, each, upon itself over the last hundred years, a little more than a hundred years, I guess, from horseback riding and carriages to to landing a helicopter on Mars, and at a telescope a million miles or what is a hundred million miles from us? What is the Webb telescope from us? Oh, I don't remember the distance. I think it's tens it's, of millions of miles. Millions it's of miles. at the Lagrange L two point. Oh, see, see and it, it to me, that blows me away from that perspective because it's got to say, yes, this universe is expansive. This universe is huge, and that what everything that you just said, that that you know, we obviously can't be alone within all of that. You know, and anybody that actually thinks that we're, and I'm probably going to catch hell for this, if you actually think that we're alone in the masses of this universe and the universes that. Has been, have been found or seen through that telescope, the additional universes. Then you know you really you really have your head in the sand. Well, and then you've got the government coming out in the middle of the lockdowns when everybody was distracted with that. You go, yeah, there's aliens. Hey, check out this football game. 
<laughs> so they kind of admitted it when I don't know if it was a distraction. I'm sure there's some they just kind of stuck it in there. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, so first of all, okay, so there are UFOs. They are not of earthly origin. That's what they've been saying. So we're not crazy. Yes, there are these other civilizations visiting us. That's big. That may or may not have shared technology with us, and that's why we've advanced the way we have over the last hundred years. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and then also, and this kind of dovetails in with the last conversation you and I were having about how the system is always telling us that these things don't exist. So the minute the military came out and said, yeah, there's UFOs, it's like, wait, so you've been lying to us for over 80 years then? We're protecting you. What else are you lying to us about? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. You're, we're protecting you. We're, we're not lying. Right. We're protecting yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, doing. they love us. Uh, yeah, we. That's a whole nother conversation, Kurt. We'll have to have another one. We'll have to have another one. Um, let's get back to manifestation and and how that all incorporates within itself. Well, I mean, well, first of all, I need to ask you this um, because it's on your website, and um, when we first started this conversation, communicating back and forth to bring you on the show. You have a unique perspective on what they call twin flames. Help us understand what twin flames mean, please. Sure. So a few minutes ago, when I spoke of my primary, like, so again, you asked me about the spiritual awakening I've had, when that took place, how have I had multiple? And I said, yeah, I think there's been many peaks and valleys. Well, the, the biggest peak forced spiritual awakening, extremely intense, just an incredible explosion of consciousness. It's a once in a lifetime thing was when I met another me, a simultaneous incarnation of my soul. So if you look around on the internet, you're going to be given the impression that a twin flame is a really good soulmate and I think it's because the term twin flame sounds cute and romantic and endearing and when you meet this person it does start off intensely romantic and then after usually between four and eight weeks they take off running they kind of reject you they pull away this you know they don't really want to talk to you anymore they put you in a friend zone whatever it is and you just absolutely crash like no other. It is the most horrible experience. I don't ever want to go through that again. If your viewers, listeners that are with us today think that they'd like to meet your twin flame, yeah, no, you don't. <laughs> You're good. Just go to yoga or something. Okay. Um, it's not what the internet says it is. All it is is a another incarnation of your soul so it is the exact same soul frequency blueprint whatever word you want to pick it is the same soul vibration as your soul um and for those of you that are able to view us on screen i brought a i brought a picture so you can see what i'm talking about this seems to alleviate a lot of confusion so this big circle is the higher self. 
in heaven or the energy part of the universe, the afterlife, which is really the poor life, right? Whatever you want to call that. And it's on a higher plane where there is no time. So again, Albert Einstein pointed out that past and future happen simultaneously. And when you do the math, you go up dimensionally. And I'm talking conventional physics. Yes, time has less and less and less meaning. And you get to the point where there's only one moment. Past and future are all happening simultaneously. So from the perspective of your higher self, every single one of these individual incarnations are happening simultaneously. So these, of course, these two here represent past lives. This is you and your twin flame. And this is a future reincarnation. That's all this is. So the internet, it's going to tell you it's this big romantic thing. There's a lot of people out there that have kind of taken the twin flame baton and ran with it. And it's, it's turned into this kind of fad. Um, you know, it could be a big money maker, I guess. You know, I don't have any problem with people that want to make money. But it, you can't tell the difference between what people already were calling a soulmate and a twin flame. So most of the messaging you're going to get online is going to be like that, where they're telling you, oh, no, it's like a really good soulmate. And I'm here to let you know that it has nothing to do with that at all. If you meet this person, they trigger what's called ego death, which is, for me, it was about six months of agony and carrying with me a sense of meaninglessness, obsessive thinking that you cannot turn off. It's like it's happening to you. Billions of number synchronicities, repeating number patterns, other synchronicities, um, these things kind of start to roll in when the ego death process starts to fade away. And again, this is the classical forced spiritual awakening template. Buddha went through it. Jesus went through it. Tolle, he went through it. I'm not even comparing myself to those three. Maybe in another 50 lifetimes, I'll get to where they're at. But the mechanism is the same. The template of this type of awakening is the same. It's just another you, this person. It's another incarnation of your soul. That's the true twin flame teaching. So to go beyond kind of the, the well-intentioned, well-meaning, um, probably innocent, but off base nonetheless, pop culture version of twin flames that you're going to see online. This is your forced spiritual awakening. That's why I always tell my students, you met your spirit in another body. And it's interesting to even see the types of lingo used in that community because everybody is using this lingo that actually lines up perfectly with the ancient Zen teachings of non-duality. And it's kind of like monkey see, monkey do. So this is kind of the code breaker that I provided. This is how I ended up uh, being such a prolific coach of Twin Flames because I made that connection. I already had some, you know, spiritual background. Which I'm sure helps immensely. 
and that, how does that all play? Well, I need to ask this question first, but what you were saying. So when we meet our twin flame, I mean, it, and I'm only trying to clarify this when I'm asking this because I'm a little confused in regard to, to just a little bit of this. And, and I want to make sure and everybody that's watching or listening isn't confused. So if I meet my twin flame, is that something that I'm looking in a mirror and I see myself or standing in front of me? Or is that something I just recognize as like, okay, that's my twin flame? Does that make well, sense? Well, when you meet them, you're going to think it's this magical soulmate connection. You're going to think of it in the conventional relationship sense. So it's going to be intense romance, eros. Like my girlfriend, my wife. Well, I don't have yes, a girlfriend, just in case my exactly. wife's listening. My wife or my girlfriend or and my boyfriend or, you know, something like exactly. that. Exactly. And they do feel very familiar to you, but that's the, that's the programming of the ego personality, the ego mind. It, of course, assumes that's what this must be. And, of course, the energy builds up between the two of you over the course of just a handful of weeks and pushes them away. And it causes, it triggers the breakdown of that mental body. So your body, mind, soul. And the mind, ego, is an accumulation. The personality, it's an accumulation of retained thought and emotional patterns. Hmm. And it's energy that you carry with you in clumps. You know, people that can see auras, they can see auras. They're literally looking at your personality. That's what they're looking at. Mm, and this is the thinning out of that energy body. Now, going back to the beginning of your question, it is after this awakening process where you would be looking at them like you're looking into a mirror. But it isn't what people think, literally. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. Because people, they don't realize that they derive their sense of self from the ego mind, the personality, which is a story. And I'm not saying that's bad. That's just what that is. And there's nothing wrong with that necessarily. But to not be aware of who you are, to not be aware of the game, so to speak, to not be aware that you are the consciousness who wears the personality avatar like a spacesuit, right? That's what changes. So when you're looking at them and it feels like you're looking into the mirror, what I'm not talking about is a mental concept of self where it's, Oh, I'm a, I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. I'm a mom. I'm a brother. I'm a podcaster. I'm a YouTuber. I'm a whatever. I like these things. I don't like those things. Mm -hmm. These are my values, etc., etc. Not saying those are bad. That's just not the self. That's the. I mean, they've called it the separate self in the Zen traditions, but what they mean is it's the personality. It's the little me. The true self is consciousness. Consciousness is not thought. That's what you see in that person after this awakening process. It's your consciousness looking right back at you. So it's different from a soulmate, for example. Like I believe that my wife is my soulmate. Right. And that we've had previous encounters in our past lives. And, and uh, I'm glad that you brought that up because this is a good teaching tool. 
people they'll often ask me oh so can i have had many past lives with my twin flame and the answer is no because previous incarnations of your soul are all you so even if you had two of them in the past they're both you there's no having a past life with your twin flame these are both your past lives they're all you and so meeting your twin flame is actually one of the most clever ways to experience this type of forced spiritual awakening because you're learning at a very base level at the level of your own soul how you are connected to everything they call this unity consciousness now if you go a layer deeper than the soul you're dealing in the source and that's where of course even you and i michael are connected i i and i appreciate that connectivity very much i think that uh, once we start realizing um the universe at that level not saying that we're any higher or better than anybody else when we say this but once you start understanding that perspective it gives you a, a different outlook on life and how you approach what you do each and every day when you get out of bed and when you go to bed amen yeah i think it really does um hey can we touch upon a couple of uh things i told you i really didn't have like questions questions but I, i'm gonna i'm gonna spring just a few on you sure is that all right okay let's help everybody understand what is manifestation? Manifesting, there's a couple of different ways to use that word contextually. Uh, manifesting can equal the law of attraction. So same thing, same exact animal, we've just got two words for it, right? Manifesting, law of attraction, same thing. Or you could say manifesting is the product of the law of attraction. So when something actually shows up, in your 3d physical reality so it depends on you know what part of the process you're talking about i guess i think that's the that's the big question huh what is the difference between manifestation and the law of attraction manifesting in the law of attraction so again it depends how are you using the word manifesting because there seems to be a couple of different contexts because law of attraction and manifesting can mean the same thing. So it's just kind of a game of semantics. But manifesting, again, is when that thing that you desire, the dream job, vacation, uh, you want to start a business, better health, uh, soulmate, you know, whatever you like, actually shows up in your 3D reality. And by the way, the theory of information realism, which is exactly where science is going, again, materialist scientists are even begrudgingly conceding that, yeah, we're going there and there's nothing we can do to stop it. Information realism is the theory that the field is mental, pure information. The field meaning the vacuum of space, which is a fabric. So gravity is the bending of empty space around an object. So it appears to be empty, but there's something there. 
Right, what is that information? That's the field. And so if we break that field down into many layers, now you're having a discussion about quantum field theory. You've got the electron field, the photon field, the Higgs field, etc., etc. And these fields working together produce matter out of thin air, actually out of a vacuum. Particles actually manifesting out of a void, and they've observed it. They've observed this in physical reality. Okay, so that's manifesting. So if I can produce an electron or a gluon or matter, antimatter particles out of a void, I think you can produce a brand new car out of a void too. The mechanism is the same. The universe is the mind of God, literally. Body, mind, soul, just like you. So there's the physical universe, the mental universe, and then there is the great I am, the one consciousness that all of it came from, body, mind, soul. You were made in the image and likeness of God, and you're a creator. Body, mind, soul can accomplish many, many things. You just said universe. So how do we recognize the signs from the universe? I think the easiest thing to do first is to step outside of linear time. So if you're getting a bunch of repeating number patterns or synchronicities or intuitive information, which comes across not in a conceptual way. It's a weird, eerie knowing. It has a deja vu-like character to it, the way that it comes across. But it's information. You're clear that it's information that's not coming from the mind. And so I think your viewers, many of them, may know exactly what I'm talking about, intuition. So you've got external signs, numbers, that's a common one, synchronicities, that's another common one. Uh, life events unfolding in ways that can't be explained other than if there's some kind of benevolent force, and there is. You are living in a gigantic being called God, and you are made of the stuff of it, and it likes to play. It's very playful. It wants to play with you. It's interacting with you. And then, of course, again, intuition. All of these things, write them down, keep a journal, and just be patient. You'll make the connections after a while, but you got to step outside of linear time. That's the thing that throws people off, I think. I think so, too. And not, we, they don't put enough you know, credence in intuition. Uh, as a father, as a cop, I relied on intuition every day, and it uh, many, many times saved my life or actually made an impact on my kids' lives. So I believe in intuition. I think we should listen to it. It's like a little whisper in your ear. Um, it is. Which you really and the more you trust it, the more that it happens to you. What happens? A little tap on the shoulder. And you can create, by the way, intuition mm -hmm. too. This is part of my, you know, like my paid coaching program. I actually teach people to be the cause of intuition. Well, let's talk about that. You have coaching programs and you, you do readings and you do, you get along. 
and you you bring clients on and help them open the doors that they need to to open and to help to understand how to um, basically change their lives. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how to get a hold of you? Sure. So the twin flame thing is pretty straightforward. If you think you already met your twin flame, that's for you. If you think you'd like to meet your twin flame, it doesn't really work that way. It's kind of you get picked kind of thing. But again, you probably don't want to meet your twin flame. <laughs> Just get a soulmate. Get a nice soulmate. Now, for everybody else, there's the manifesting program, and that's for everybody else. And that, of course, was the next logical step for me after having a spiritual awakening. I realized that what I am being is having a direct impact on my outer reality so that's there if people are interested uh it's a video course it's a little over 25 hours long uh and then after you watch the videos you get to keep them forever by the way uh, you get to talk to me there's group coaching calls there's one-on-ones there's a facebook community and it's a pretty inspirational place i love Very, what i do and how do I we get a hold of you what's your website oh sure newworldallstar.com Another really great way to find me if you just want to watch, you know, some of my free content. I've got a lot of free content on my YouTube channel, New World All Star. Um, and of course, there's the Twin Flame stuff. There's a Law of Attraction stuff. Um, just peruse the video section. There's also playlists if you'd like kind of my greatest hits for the Law of Attraction, the technology of consciousness. So it's a pretty big resource. It's a massive cache of information, my YouTube channel. And I'll make sure that all of that's in the show notes so that everybody has an easy way to find you and get a hold of you. And I'm sure you have links in there to your YouTube channel. Yep. You do have links there? And sure for the do. coaching, yep. obviously. Absolutely. Outstanding. Kurt, I could talk to you for another hour or two. I mean, there's like yeah, so fun. much. <laughs> so much we could cover. We'll have to have you back on the show. Um, yeah, it, many different opportunities for us, I think. Um, I, like I want to thank, thank you for enlightening it, uh, me and enlightening uh, the audience. I think it's been a great conversation. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, I think our audience, uh, at least I would hope, that they've gained much insight um, as I have. I, I want to dive deeper into the world of manifestation. And if you guys want to do it too, you can unlock a uh, life of your dreams. Make sure to check out the links in the description for more resources um, and Kurt's amazing work. And again, I'll have his um, website and the other information for you to be able to just click on. Um, and that will take you to it very quickly and easily. Uh, this is one more thing before you go. So before we go, do you have any words of wisdom you can share? You're a creator. Remember that. That's brilliant words of wisdom, actually. It gives you the, that gives you the, uh, as you say, the wheel in your hand. You, you have your, your own direction. You can take yourself. You're powerful. Absolutely. You, you control a gas pedal in the brake. Every single one of you guys watching, if you feel hopeless, your life is the way it is because you designed it that way, and you can redesign it, too. You absolutely can. Uh, that, again, brilliant to add, add to that. 
Kurt, thank you very much for joining me on the show. I really appreciate you uh, connecting with me and, and uh, sharing your journey and, and your wisdom with us. So thank you very much. My pleasure. And one more thing before you all go, don't forget to hit the like button, share this video and uh, audio with your friends and subscribe for more incredible content. Your support truly makes us different and it keeps us motivated to bring you more valuable knowledge. And one more thing before you go, have a great day. Have a great week and thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go. Check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform.